Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of A Horse's Journey. Uh, I just want to apologise in advance, I'm still not amazingly well, so my voice is not exactly the most amazing this week, and also I apologise for it being a day late, but you know, it just is how it is, and my immune system isn't great with being unwell at the moment, but without further ado, let's get into the process of backing a off-the-track standard bread. So this week's podcast hopefully will be a little bit shorter than last week's one. Um, This week I just wanted to talk about my training process with Harley and how I went from having a horse that had no clue what a saddle was to having a horse that's going pretty nicely under saddle. So I just want to point out a disclaimer that I am no way a trainer or anything else like this. This is my experiences and the way I train my horses. It's completely a personal thing. Please, all the information that I'm giving in this podcast, take it, think about it. If you choose to use it, you choose to use it. It's fine. Personally, my biggest thing is always my horse's happiness and welfare first, so that's, yeah, that's just a little disclaimer. So, when Harley arrived, he had won $50,000 in his race career as a harness horse, so he was in the cart and he was a pacer, so his natural, well not natural, it's unnatural, but it's taught to them, um, was to pace. So he, um, yeah, he came to me and he had no clue what to do and I was sort of like right this is my chance to show everybody what I'm capable of um so anyway he arrived and the first thing I did was got him used to me on the ground usually when you're backing and rehoming standard breeds it's actually really easy to get on them straight away because they're pretty pretty chilled out and they usually are pretty pretty cool with it but um since I decided that when I met Harley I was going to keep him long term I wanted to build a bond that was reliant on time and not putting too much pressure on him too quick. And I'm not saying that by getting on standard breeds when you're rehoming them quickly that you are, but for me and for, for some reason I just had this feeling with him that he was going to need some time because if I put too much pressure on him I was putting us both in a um, potentially dangerous situation. So anyway the first thing I did was got him out of his paddock and brushed him. It was that simple. I just tied him up and he wiggled so much. He's really good now, but he used to, he would wiggle back and forwards and back and forwards and he had to wriggle and he'd move around because I'm pretty sure he's used to being in cross ties, which is usually what they are in, um, at the racing stables. So anyway, yeah, he um, we did that with him and just practiced getting him used to being brushed and stuff. He cow kicked a lot at the start, which I actually now know was due to ulcers. Um, so I was trying to like, yeah, handle that, but I didn't know what ulcers even were at that point. I've learned so, so much this year. It is absolutely insane. But anyway, the first thing I did was get him used to me on the ground around him. And he was perfect because he'd been a racehorse his entire life and he knew, he knew what was happening. Anyway, the next thing I did was I got a bucket and I stood up next to him. And the first few times I stood next to him, holy crap, he thought the entire world was ending and he would back up and he would stare at me like, what are you doing? But eventually I got him standing quietly beside the bucket. And if you actually head on to head over to my Instagram, jump a little higher. Please feel free to tell me what you think of the podcasts. Um, down the bottom, towards down low, a bit lower on my account, is a video comparing the first time and the tenth time I got on him, just lying over him. And the first time he just about, he was like, oh, ha, ah, ah. ha. He jumped. And I'm sorry if that was really loud in anyone's earplugs. He um, jumped and he was not exactly pleased about the whole situation and then the 10th time holy moly he was just like okay cool yep shook his head around a bit but now I do know that was because my legs were digging into his tummy which was ulcers um but you know so I am really really pleased with how he is going at this point in time he now walks trots and canters sometimes (laughs) we're working on the canter but he is the most beautiful trot and he puts his head down into the bridle 
I absolutely love him, but um, it was just a, it's funny looking at it from, we went from every time I would go to get on him, he would absolutely, uh, he was like, oh my god, you know, he was, he was explosive in a way, um, but a safe explosive, I guess, if that's a thing, and um, he's now gone to very, very quiet to get on, he's a good kid, um, so I guess what I wanted to do was allow myself time and him time to get used to each other and I felt like this was a really important step in the journey because I wanted to build a lifelong relationship with Harley and he never will go anywhere he is going to stay with me forever for as long as he lives as much as I know it'll break my heart um I love him to bits this podcast is turning into just me telling you how much I love my horse. <laughs> Isn't it relatable? Anyway, so we were talking about the backing process, which is, it's really important. Um, so I spent probably, I think I first backed him somewhere around the 15th, and I it took a long time for me to do it, but I was just like, I just need to do it, you know? I just got to get on. You just got to do it. And he was like, okay. He actually was really, really accepting of everything. He used to wriggle around a lot, um, so like I would jump on and he would walk off and I would just have to hang on until he stopped and then that's when I'd get off and release the pressure and he would learn that by stopping you know the whole situation became a hell of a lot more comfortable and it was really important to me that um again that he had that time to process all of that stuff and learn it because he is a big horse he's just under 17 hands and he's powerful and he knows it and sometimes we come to terms about that um, but it was really good for me to realise pretty quickly that he was going to take care of me. So anyway, we um, eventually, I remember he was he'd moved paddocks, he was in a different paddock, and I put the saddle on that day for the first time, and he couldn't care less. So they, they generally don't, because they're so used to all their harness gear, with their rollers and everything like that, and their harness, and etc, etc. He's had a lot of things going on in his life that were a lot more stressful than the saddle being put on for the first time. But when I did the girth up, he sort of went all. And so that was when I first started seeing signs of ulcers, which really put a dent in his training and I had to slow down because he needed treated and there was no way I could continue to ride him or back him successfully when he was the way he was. Um, So anyway, the first day I got on him, I just lay over him and he walked off like usual. I couldn't figure out how to stop that. I didn't want to force him to stop. I wanted him to stop and learn in his own process. So all I was doing was allowing him to walk away. When he stopped, I was releasing pressure by getting off so anyway I got on him and he walked to the gate and I thought "Mm, this could be a bit of a interesting situation um I was like this could be quite unsafe if I get on um but I thought you know what and I lifted my leg up and I swung over and sat up and he couldn't care less he sort of just stood there and he was like oh okay and so when I was backing him I only had him in a halter and lead rope around his neck and that was it and so he I yeah I got on and I sort of just the first few weeks, it's funny because my process is you back them, you sit on them, then you flail, and then you ride. So the flailing session, well the flailing uh, series area where we have a series of rides that were flailing, was what I did with him is I just allowed him to get used to my weight and me moving around on top of him. And It actually took quite a while and I would sort of guide him but I wouldn't tell him he had to go anywhere nor would I use any leg cues or anything like that. I would sort of just ask. It was just a process of asking. No pressure that he could really be aversive to. And I thought that was a really, really positive, um, you know, situation when he ended up just sort of listening to where I wanted to go rather than where he wanted to go. The first few times he was like, I'm going where I want to go. Like, you have no choice. Try. And eventually he just went, oh, oh, it's not so bad when I do what you, you sort of ask me. And that's sort of how I started our friendship. And he got used to my weight because 
bareback he was very narrow at that point he when he came off the track he did have ulcers so his weight wasn't perfect and he would sort of he was very hard to stay on and it was really good for my seat but it was also really good for him to allow me the feeling of me and my weight moving around all over the place and it just set him up for success like now even in the saddle it has set him up for success and so after a while of flailing I'm practicing putting the saddle on and practicing putting the bridle on he already knew what a bridle was due to being a racehorse they're all mouthed and raced in bridles um sorry that's probably as common knowledge but I just thought I would make sure um and so anyway I got on him and he was absolutely stellar um we we had a real process and that was really, really good for his training and for creating a very, very versatile and safe mountain now, which I'm so pleased about. Um, and he was he's just generally a very, very cool horse. But the first few times I got on him and saddle, it was very wonky. The saddle I had didn't fit him very well and I knew that. Well, I didn't know that at the time. I know that now and he has a new saddle. But with time, he just, yeah, he was absolutely amazing. The funny thing is that he couldn't trot. <laughs> In the paddock, he had a beautiful trot, and I knew that he would, yeah, he would, he would do that. But um, he just couldn't do it under saddle. I tried so hard. I would, it, there was, I was, I, I think it took me three months to get him to trot. Like he just paced, and that was because that's what he knew, and that was his strength, and that so that's what he defaulted to. And I never once punished him for that because punishing him, punishing him for that would be so confusing and so stressful for him because that's what he'd been taught all of his life and I didn't feel it was fair to punish him for it nor I'm not really a big I don't use a lot of punishment in my training um not at all but uh anyway so yeah no so the first few times I got on him in the saddle it was really just working on allowing him to become used to my body weight allowing him to become used to my legs against his side and on the ground I did a lot of um with his bridle on, I would hold his rein and put my hand on the spot where your foot touches near the girth, and I would push on that to turn him so that we were sort of working on those in saddle cues on the ground so that they would translate through to his riding. And they did really quickly, actually, and he's very, very good now at listening to my seat, and I don't even have to use my legs, which is rather nice. Um, and for a while, I couldn't actually use my legs because if I did, he either bucked or he got very angry and tried to bite my foot. And that was a habit it took a long time to break. But as soon as I had treated him for ulcers and had his teeth done, boom, that was gone. And that just reinforced my feeling of horses are never actually naughty on purpose. He tries so hard now. And his favourite thing is to just go. He's very, very cool. Um, he's We've actually recently sort of hit a spot where he's started pacing again, which is kind of frustrating. But... I think we just got to strengthen him up a bit. He's lacking a bit of top line. I need to get him going over some poles on the lunge and do a couple of things like that. Um, and hopefully that will improve his um, in-saddle work. But uh, it's just been a whole big process, and it's still a process that's taking place now. I've only canted him once, and that was on accident. And now I've got access to this really big paddock at the Neighbours, so I'm going to go for a hoon hopefully one day this week. And I've got a couple lessons coming up and things like that, and hopefully a rehoming horse joining me soon for a little bit who can jump really well. So that should be a bit of a confidence builder for Harley. Um, So, yeah. Um, Well, you recently got another standard bred too, Kahu, and he... um, he was already back when we got him, so that gets rid of that whole element, but he needs a lot of training um, just to work through, you know, get the basics established. He, at the moment, only really walks, but he is very, very quiet, which makes training a lot easier. He's not really worried. He's a stable pet. He didn't have any rough treatment that I know of, so, um, and that we can see evidence, so he's pretty, pretty chilled out, and that changes the dynamic a lot. It's really interesting for me to look at the way I had to train Harley versus the way I had to train Kahu. 
And I think that's a really important life lesson that every single horse you train ever will be different in the way that you need to approach your training with. But anyway, um, yeah, no, so I think that was pretty much my process. <laughs> As I said, I sort of had four steps in my head. I didn't have flail in there till it happened. Um, so, you know, you have your lying over process, your sitting up process, your flailing, and then your riding. And so the first time I got on Harley with the saddle, I actually just jumped on like I usually would be back without putting my foot in the stirrup. That was just due to me being a sook, I'll be honest. A lot's changed since then. And um, I got on and rode him around, and I just asked him simple things. I opened my reins wide so he knew what I was asking. I didn't use leg because I didn't feel at that point that it was something he would cope with. And also at that point, if I, I tried to use leg one day, and he reacted very aggressively and very explosively because of his ulcers. So all in all, I think the biggest thing in the process of backing a horse and starting a horse under saddle is being aware of the time that they need to adjust to things, especially if they have health issues or anything like that. And it's just, yeah, it was a really, really important process and a very important part of our friendship. It was always something I tried to do positively and I wanted him to look forward to being ridden and be excited to be ridden. And that was probably the most important part of it for me. But um, overall, I had a really good experience with Harley and getting him organised and stuff like that, and he was a really good horse to back, and I'm hoping to do a few more soon, but um, we'll just see how everything plays out, and yeah, it's just about reading your horse and knowing when they're ready and comfortable for you to move on, and once you're on and riding, it's clear, calm signals, and staying quiet and calm, and don't push your sessions to an hour long. The first few times I rode him, I rode him for maybe 15 minutes. Just asking really, really simple things and making things fun. Don't do the same thing every time and don't school them in circles constantly because then all riding becomes is schooling and then it becomes really boring. It's like recently I've started hacking out because I've had the chance to. Um, and that's been so, so good because it's given the horses, they've realised that not only is it fun for them because they get to go places, it's fun for us. And it's just, it's really good all, all around. So, you yeah, know, I think that's pretty much my process. Sorry that this week was probably not that interesting. Next week is going to be a really, really good podcast. Um, we're going to be chatting about troubleshooting with standees, so issues that I've had to face. And this was suggested by one of my um, listeners who sent me a message. So feel free to message me on Jump a Little Higher on Instagram. We currently have a New Zealand-based um, Secret Santa running, so everyone's, yeah, sending each other horsey stuff. It doesn't have, you don't have to pay heaps. It's it's free, easy to enter. Head over to either Woodnotes and Roses, One Base Standard Bread, or Jump a Little Higher. And, um, yeah, so it's really exciting. But um, thank you for listening to this week's episode of A Horse's Journey, and I'm sorry it was late, and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys Monday next week. See you later.